0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Humans of Magic, the show that's all about talking to your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. This is episode 75 with Anurag Das. Anurag is a legacy enthusiast, accomplished streamer, and channel fireball content creator. You can watch him at twitch.tv slash onzdmtg. This was a fun one. A lot of it involves just kind of shooting the shit with Anurag. I've known him as a friend since GP Seattle 2018. That's when we played Legacy together and one of the biggest uh, Legacy GPs back then, back when there were Legacy GPs. And over the years, I've just been very impressed by Anurag's consistency and body of work. He has been streaming Legacy for a very long time, is a great net positive for the community. The main reason I wanted to talk to Anurag is because publicly on his streams, he has a very happy-go-lucky personality. And I really wanted to explore that. I wanted to know if that was a mask, if that was really him, if, if it's not him, or if it's something in between. So we got pretty deep in this conversation. That's just the way I like my conversations to go. And hopefully you'll come out of it with a stronger appreciation for who Anurag Das is, both as a streamer and as a human being. A few things I want to say before we get into the meat of the episode. Humans and Magic is sponsored by Channelfireball.com and Cardboard Live. Music is brought to you by Cupla. If you want more information about Humans and Magic or past episodes, please visit my website at HumansandMagic.com. Last but not least, it has not been a secret. I have mentioned this a few times in past episodes that I really use this podcast as a way to catch up with friends, make new friends, and just kind of talk to people during this challenging year and situation that we're all in globally around the world. Most recently, I've decided that I'm going to start writing again. Nothing like another book, but just writing a weekly blog article every Monday, a newsletter every Monday. And so if you're interested in hearing my weekly thoughts, it's kind of all over the place. It could be magic, could be life, could be a whole bunch of random things. But if you have any interest in reading my ramblings, you can go to writtenbyjames.com. That's writtenbyjames.com and sign up for my newsletter. The newsletter comes out every Monday and I basically just share my thoughts about what's been going on in my mind and in, in, in my life. So definitely check that out if it sounds interesting to you. Thank you. All right, without further ado, this is Humans and Magic with Anurag Das. Anurag, my man. Good sir. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing pretty well. I just finished streaming like less than half an hour ago, and I'm super amped to be here today. Uh, it's, it's honestly an honor.
0: Thank you, James, for having me here. The honor, the pleasure is all mine. So how did the stream go today?
1: It went pretty well. I'm playing in one of the Legacy series that's hosted by uh, Mana Traders. It's like a card rental service, and it, it's, it's going pretty good, actually. We We just qualified for the Swiss platform we made it to the next level whatever it is um honestly for me it's just another day playing magic the results don't really matter too much but it's nice to have this in my pocket so i'm pretty happy that that's you know done and thought of now i'm trying to climb my way up the leaderboard grind my way up to rank one and then you know rake in that cash money throw it back to the stream rinse repeat that kind of deal
0: nice i've heard good things about the mana trader series it's like uh basically free to play and you just keep Like, you can just keep grinding until you get to a certain number of wins. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, so they have different tiers of uh, qualifying for their Swiss round. I managed to qualify for the first one, so it's like it it varies on win percent. So you can rack up a couple losses and still make it in. Uh, I think for me, yes, the the biggest pros are that, one, it's free, and two, the process is seamless. I don't know how they did it, but they kind of changed the game here. Where they've got this bot that is able to like scrape games off of magic online and it automatically captures a lot of data which is oh. to me incredible yeah because it's like
0: the so next you don't level. have to do like the mtg melee like you know self-report and all that kind of no, stuff. no
1: none of that yeah it's uh it's all automated you just make a room you opponent joins you play and then refresh the page and it takes like it's it's, it's so fast it does it in like seconds so it's very impressive the the quality the caliber of you know this this specific tournament structure yeah
0: nice what deck are were you running were you playing oh. Delver or something else
1: <laughs> well so this is I, I mean normally I'll I'll just you know like goof off you know monkey my way with whatever but I actually want to you know grind and win here so I'm playing just control uh, five color snow the bane of the format the the the, the deck that nobody enjoys uh, and it's it's going well it's I'm I'm having a fun time personally I think I just you know updated the deck and like made some really innovative changes and i'm happy uh, with my results so far it's felt pretty good
0: was today one of those streams where it's like no talk and you just you just play without your audio or was it like that serious or did you have interactions with the the people watching
1: oh the truth is my wife was doing a mock interview today so we we share the same room she's on that side and i'm on this side And uh, while she was doing her mock interview, I made absolutely sure to make no noise. So I just like turned off my camera, turned off my mic, zoned out of, you know, interacting for a little bit. I mean, I was like typing in the chat here and there, but, you know, focused more on just playing and like stalling until she was done. And then as soon as she finished, you know, booted all up and I was like at it, you know, talking. So it was like half and half. Um, It does help sometimes to turn off that stuff because I do get to get in the zone and focus on games and matches and things like that. Uh, but also like, it, you know, there's a cost to it as well in terms of like who's watching and how much they enjoy it and that sort of stuff. So got to balance it all. Yeah.
0: Although I find it's cool because every once in a while, I'll tune into your stream. And sometimes even when you're not interacting, it's big enough now where the viewers are interacting with each other, right? They're kind of like talking to each other or some familiar faces because I understand that you play mostly the legacy format. So, you know, you always run into people that, you know, even in the chat of someone's stream,
1: yeah, yeah, the legacy is one of the greatest things about the community is that it's it's pretty tight-knit and it's also, like, very inviting. So everybody really just, like, you get to know each other very, very, very fast, especially given that legacy isn't as much of a, quote, plate-and-paper format compared to, like, standard or modern or whatever it is. Uh, online is really how you meet and interact with people, and it's it's crazy how, like, Moto has sort of brought the world together. You You get to hang out with people from all over... The world—it's—it's incredible, because there are only so many streamers who play Legacy. You'll definitely see the same person, like in chat X or chat Y or chat Z, and it's just another way to bond and get closer, learn you know more about the people behind the cards.
0: Right. So, Anurag, I'm gonna start with the uh, maybe the easiest, but also the most complex question, which is how are you doing these days? Like, you know, I know that I see you on streams. I see you all everywhere in the CFP videos and online on Twitter and such, but how, how are you doing on a kind of personal level? You know, when you're not streaming, you know, when we're just sitting down here and just talking, like how, how are things?
1: Yeah. I'm. I'd say I'm doing like, okay. I don't know if I'm super, super great off? Like, you know, I don't know. Like this, this is one of those weird questions where it's just like, I don't know what you're ever supposed to say. Like, I'm doing good. You know, I, given the state of 2020, I can't really complain about my position, right? With all the, you know, like the health issues and like all the, you know, just like sociopolitical issues going on. So honestly, like my day-to-day is, is not very eventful and I'm not going to complain about it. I'm totally okay with it. Plus it kind of like, that's what I vibe with. I'm a couch potato. I do like to just hang out You know, talking to people on Discord, playing video games, streaming, that sort of stuff. So I would say that I'm content more than anything else. Uh, Pretty happy, you know, hanging out with my wife, my dog, that sort of stuff. You know, I don't know what more I could really ask for. So it's it's, it's going
0: pretty well, yeah. You're on the West Coast, right? Like, whereabouts are you right now?
1: San Diego. So it's, like, very good. The weather is awesome. I used to live in D.C., and before that Atlanta and Houston and i got to say the weather in san diego is just like chef's kiss it's something it's something else uh i i almost i almost don't even know if i can leave here like the california area cuz moving somewhere else and then like you know having to deal with just a different temperament would not be it's not optimal for me so how, how long have you
0: guys been in san diego for <laughs> uh
1: so we moved here for my wife's residency program which started 2 years ago she's just starting her third year so yeah, that, that'll answer that question. And we're here for at least one more year. And then after that, she has to apply to, you know, work somewhere. And wherever that is, is where I'll go. She mm-hmm. is considering San Diego. So we could stay here for a little bit longer. But there are a couple other options in the in the mix of things like, you know, LA or somewhere northwest, uh, preferably on the West Coast is what I told her. And, you know, she's okay with that.
0: So she she likes San Diego as well. Like you guys both really enjoy the area.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of one of those things where, so me personally, I have been in a couple places. So I've had exposure to what it's like to live in a lot of different locations. Like DC is sort of, it's it's pretty active, right? You know, maybe not as active as New York, but there's a lot of stuff to do. It is, you know, maybe the capital of the, the country. So there's obviously going to be a lot of stuff. Uh, in Atlanta, that's another, you know, live and, you know, pop in place. Houston, hard to say i grew up there so i didn't actually have full liberty to explore san diego is much quieter than the other places right Mm -hmm. i'm very happy with that my wife on the other hand never really got the opportunity to check out these other places so while san diego is good i think she's mentioned a couple times how she would love to like live in a place that is actually like hustling and bustling and that sort of stuff so it's a little bit of like figuring out balancing where we go based off of that sort of stuff
0: interesting so you're you're originally from houston
1: I I am yeah born born and raised in Houston. I did travel to India a lot when I was a kid and then yeah after that I moved to Atlanta for school, DC for work, and now here just living with my wife so yeah.
0: So your parents are from India and what part of India are they are they from?
1: Yeah, they're from the northeast part of India. The state is called Assam. It's known for their tea and their <laughs> I was just ghost, gonna say, ghost yeah, peppers. I yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Assam tea, yeah. 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 Do you still speak one of the languages, like, uh, you know, Hindi or one of the major dialects?
1: Yeah, so the major dialect in Assam is uh, Assamese, and this is kind of, it hurts for me to say this, but, like, when I was a kid, oh, man, I was I was smart. I could speak Assamese. You still like, are, it, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's debatable. That's definitely debatable. I, I could speak the language very well, and now I think it's just, like, a lack of practice. I'm not really in an environment where there's anyone for me to you know, like, you get rusty and then soon, now I'm thinking about it, like, I was talking about this with my wife just yesterday, because she's trying to learn Spanish for, you know, her job um, just to better serve patients, and I'm like, yeah, I know Assamese, and I was just like, wait a minute, I'm not remembering a lot of these things, and it's just like a weird realization. At this point, like, the butchered version of Hindi that I've learned from just, you know, exposure to, like, movies and media and that sort of stuff is actually stronger than uh, whatever Assamese that I used to know, and I mean, it is just growth and development, like I've gotten better in other ways, and this is one of the ways where you know it's gone by gone with time, so
0: yeah, I mean, describe your I know I'm going all over the place, but i I am curious like what whats what was your childhood like? I mean, you know, growing up in Houston, was there like a a large indo american community there like how how did that work? How what did it feel like?
1: yeah, actually, surprisingly, there was I mean Houston has a really like live rich uh assamese community there which is you know one of the reasons why my parents moved there to begin with honestly i i was super young so i didn't really like understand all of this stuff but my parents would go out they would bring me to like all these dinner parties and like social events and things like that um in terms of me personally i think it's just like i grew up in like in an asian household and it's like you're maybe typical maybe not so typical very focused on you know becoming the best me, mostly like in an ac- from an act- academic perspective, and that's where I spend most of my energy. Just you know reading books, doing my math homework, doing extracurricular math homework, even more math homework. You know what I mean? Just like getting above, going above and beyond. Uh, it was honestly like when I was growing up. Yeah, I did not enjoy it as much. But this is like one of those things where you look back. You know, 15, 20 years later, and you're just like, I want to do this for my kids because I just value it so much. You know, all the late nights where my dad would sit down with me and help me with, you know, understanding the next concept. Or my mom would, you know, like, there's a project, an arts and crafts project, and I don't have the creativity or, you know, whatever it is. And so she would, you know, invite me to grow and nurture, that kind of stuff. You know, just parenting, right? Good parenting, that's what it is.
0: So. No I, I hear that man the Asian life we've all we've all sort of been there, you know, you grow up with very demanding parents. they want you to be yeah. a, a doctor yeah. lawyer engineer. I think between Chinese and uh East Indian, I think I would say there are some similarities there,
1: yeah, no for sure i I think that's the one thing that like has definitely been imprinted in my just like my own personality, right? It was like they always set the bar high, and I didn't always hit you know cross that bar or achieve the goal. But nowadays, I continue to do that, right? I'll always set the bar high, and even if I don't, a- like you know, reach where I'm, or how do I say this? Even if I don't get to my goal, because the bar is set so high and I have to try so hard, I will land, you know, just at a very, very like good location at the very end. You know, uh, maybe uh, it's not like ideal for me, but compared to. Yeah. i guess the normal end result or whatever it is it's it's above average i guess i don't know i I feel weird complimenting myself that is not something else that i that is another thing that right. i am, have been taught not that's to another do, asian
0: thing so. we don't really like to do right but yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah about your parents like what what professions did they have or maybe maybe before and after coming to america like well, tell me a bit more about them
1: yeah so my parents moved here in 91 i was born in 92. My mom's a doctor. My dad's an engineer. Boom, nailed it. I, you know, just like what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's. I'm trying to think, like, what's super like interesting about it? They have like a very average uh, first. I guess no, I'm the first generation, so
0: I guess they like have a very Im- average immigrant, immigrant experience, kind of.
1: Yeah, exactly. They've got a very average immigrant experience. You know, they came with nothing. They worked super hard, and you know, they were able to succeed. It is something that I think I'm. I'm very lucky that they were able to, you know, put me in the position that I am. But they definitely had to like sweat, you know, the blood and the tears and all the time and effort that it took to to establish themselves. Uh,
0: in, yeah. in, in in Were American you were city. you an only child, or do you have siblings?
1: I do. I do have siblings. Uh, younger brother, younger sister, uh, and there's like a big gap in between. You know, like five years between me and my brother, and almost a decade between me and my sister. So. Okay. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Were you sure. also
0: like the model, kind of the the eldest, you know, brother that had to sort of live up to, or be the the most academically successful to be a good role model and all that sort of implied um, pressure?
1: Not like role model necessarily, but there definitely was pressure to just like I had to be the best. Uh, like if you look at compare me to my brother, right? He had like a completely different upbringing. I wouldn't say that he. Okay, and I don't mean this like in a bad way. But, you know, he's not completely... Do you mean like in- your parents
0: mellowed out by then or what?
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, my my mom, with me growing up, she was like, snap, snap, you get this done now. With my brother and my sister, it's like, okay, you know, we've sort of, we hear you, and we will, let's, let's work on this together, right? Like, my sister is going into, like, arts and crafts, right? Which is, like, not, it, based on the <laughs> conversation, like, it is not, you know typical I guess and and i'm super I'm super happy that she's been able to find what she likes and she's able to pursue it that is that is incredible and I'm super proud of that my parents my mom and dad are like you know much more open-minded than they used to be you know back when they first move over
0: yeah that that makes sense so what were your favorite subjects growing up like maybe in high school where like were were you particularly strong at particular things or interested in certain things or were you just or were you just like a were you just like a straight a student good at everything just crushing it
1: well, I mean, I'm not going to lie, the the school that I went to, it wasn't a bad school by any means, but I think like the average level was I was easily able to like overperform. So like just like in in middle school and high school, you know, I was always like they yeah, you know how they have the, they have the, like those uh, advanced classes in 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 math mm-hmm. or whatever. Math was easily yeah. my number like one subject. Like placement,
0: AP sort of things or all
1: that sort of stuff. Yeah, I would do all of that like, you know, just put on like 15, 30, 40 hours extra and and like try try my best to overachieve right like i wasn't necessarily number one but definitely like up there um i think for me like math was definitely like the my favorite subject and a lot of that had to do with just like the extracurricular mathematical activities i did in in middle school so they had like uh you know speed math they had weird like calculator math super complex like you know write it down, add mathematics, all whatever it is, I don't know how to describe it. But that stuff really like resonated with me and I was good at it too, so I continued doing it. Um the problem is, is like somewhere in high school that that passion kind of just like fell out. I think it's it's I don't know when it happened, but it transitioned from being super passionate about math to becoming really interested in like computer science and, and just like automation technology, that sort of stuff. That was, you know, that was like senior year. I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. And that was pretty exciting. And then like in college, you know, that changed at some point in time too, where like at the end of college, I kind of realized like in my last year, like I don't really want to be a computer scientist. Coding is not for me, Uh, but it was too late at that point. So I like, I locked in and I was like, all right, this is like the best thing that I can do with. Oh, uh, really?
0: Okay. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta roll this back a little bit. So did you grow up like just being very like connected with computers and just the internet and all that stuff or
1: well i think so again like my upbringing was one where like it it, like it was i was very focused on academics right so my parents wouldn't like let me watch tv we didn't even have like all the special channels like it was like one of those things where i would go into lunch one day and every would be everyone would be talking about like oh the coolest episode of dragon ball z and i'd be like you know, just like twiddling with my food. and Like, all right, that's kind of cool, you know, not really being part of the group. But yeah, so so for that reason, I guess, naturally, like when you are, when something is like taken away from you, you are probably drawn to it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was eager to like experience that sort of stuff, like video games and and programming. And I remember like in, in high school, my favorite class was probably like the robotics course that I took, which was a very like basic class. Um, but it was so interesting to me because of all, like, the new sort of technologies and, like, the ways that I could actually apply my own creativity. Like, critical thinking easily was one of my stronger, uh, I guess, one of my better strengths, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, the whole, like, the way I grew up, definitely, like, I was attracted towards that sort of stuff because I didn't have it when I was younger, right? I wasn't necessarily, like, athletically inclined or anything like that. So I did go towards, like, you know, books and technology and all this sort of stuff. Video games was a big one, actually. That was one that I didn't have, so when I first started, like, when I was finally able to get into video games, oh, man, I was, like, I was hooked and addicted.
0: Yeah, yeah. What were some of the the favorite games that you started playing back then?
1: Yeah, so I think easily Fire Emblem. It's, it's just, like, a turn-based strategy game. Uh, I know that I, one very well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I think that one, like, spoke with me the most because, you know, I did love strategy games. I mean, now nowadays... It's not really for me, but back then, like I, I just put countless hours into it. You know, replayed it multiple times, played all the versions that you couldn't oh necessarily get here, like in the states, that sort of stuff. Right? It was, it was pretty amazing. I'm trying to think what else. There were a couple times where I got like I, I'm a Nintendo. Nintendo was like my my bread and butter, so that was kind of cool. I got to play all the the GameCube Mario's and you mm-hmm. know Legend of Zelda's and all that sort of stuff and uh, but yeah, I would say like Fire Emblem was probably like my pocket pick for for video games that I definitely got to enjoy and it makes sense too, right? Cuz that's the the kind of game that makes forces you to think critically and like it had there's some some pretty like disgusting difficulties that you could you know try to tackle down and if you don't play perfectly, like you just you get run over, so I appreciated that challenge a lot.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's one of the the most challenging types of types of games and uh, How how did you decide what college you go to? Like, what college did you end up going to for computer science?
1: Yeah, so I, my first choice was MIT. Um, I applied to a bunch of Ivy League schools and Georgia Tech was my backup. Which now that I think about it, it's like my safety. Which now that I think about it, it's like a really weird thing to say. I was actually really sad because so I, I did graduate from Georgia Tech. At the time when I got in, this is what I'm talking about, where I set the bar high, super mm. high, like but then NIT I always, or
0: bust kind of thing.
1: Y- yeah, exactly. And I mean, I still landed in a really, really good college like program. Like I, the education that I got there was, you know, incredible, right? But still, there was part of me that was like, "Wow, I, I set a goal here, and I, I didn't actually get it." And honestly, that like, you know, that's 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 on me. I have I need to improve and I need to better myself. But that being said, like, you know, Georgia Tech is a ridiculous school, and I would glad that I went there, and I wouldn't go anywhere else if I could. If I if I could do it again, I would do it
0: again. You know what I'm saying? Is that based in Atlanta? Because you mentioned you know being in mm-hmm. Atlanta. Yeah. Okay.
1: In the heart of Atlanta. Yeah.
0: What What was it like, like kind of being a student there and just living on campus?
1: Um. Well the truth is I don't know I feel like it was not the average college experience. I feel like I mean this is also kind of me, right? Like I didn't really have the kind of go go out there and like party it up kind of Dude, mindset. Dude, I,
0: I feel that, man. You know, one of my biggest uh sorry to make this kind of about me, but like one of the, my biggest regrets was just not being more out there during college, yeah. you know? Just oh, yeah. just if- like I was like focus on going to class and you know getting decent grades and if, if I just look back on it now like so many years later I'm just like that was pretty foolish right because yeah it exactly. should be more about the experience right
1: mm-hmm. I, I think I think college was a really good time for me to explore myself learn more about myself and just I don't know diversify my own personality and what I ended up doing was just be more of the same which is just you know go to class get good grades which I didn't even do at the beginning uh, which the, the, I mean that's a that's a long story um, go to class, get good grades. All my friends, you know, uh, I, I bonded with a lot of international students so who had the same sort of mindset as me. They were raised the same way I was, which was focus on your ap- academics, get A's, you know, you have to be the best, get a good job, make it all worth it, right? Because a big thing for this was that my parents, I, this is why I'm so fortunate, is that they paid for my entire education. And spewing that for, you know, entertainment or whatever, just felt like not a responsible decision, it's also pressure,
0: they're... too. It's like when your parents help you, it also provides pressure because, like, I think there's pros and cons to that. Mm-hmm.
1: No, for sure. I, I didn't mention this, and I don't know if it matters or not, but my parents got divorced, you know, sometime in my middle school or whatever it is. And so, like, that's when I really sort of got to feel what it was like from their end in terms of what they were giving up for my success, my growth. And there was no way that I could ever just, you know, give that up for my own personal thing, you know what I mean? So, mm. it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough, college, mm. because the program was very rigorous, but again, like, the people that I met along the way, the experiences that I had, I, I don't think I would do it any other way.
0: So, tell me a bit about how you said you wanted to get into computer science, and you did, but then you sort of grew disenfranchised or not so enthusiastic about computer science, or maybe just coding,
1: yeah, so coding is super cool because you do there is a lot of like critical thinking and there's a lot of, you know, that sort of element in developing a product, right? But for me, I don't know, I think I wasn't truly passionate about it and I and I can't explain why too well. It just it's just something that like fell out of flavor uh and I I just yeah, this is a tough question. I don't I don't know exactly what happened like if I am asked to code today, I probably would, but it, it just lost its charm. Like one day I woke up and I was like, I don't know, I don't want to sit in front of a computer for 12 hours and just like write code, right? I want to get up, go there, do something else. You know, this was also like the time where I started transitioning from into playing Magic. Uh, so mm-hmm. before I played Magic, I played a lot of like Yu-Gi-Oh! And one of the greatest things about that also was that that's actually where I, the community where I made my friends, um, not at school or anything like that. You know, when I was in high school, and one of the things that we would do is we would like travel, we would hang out, go to all these like big events, and I think that sort of just got to me where it was like I want to do more of this, getting out there and whatever it is, and and less so sitting in a room with the dim light, typing mm-hmm. away mindlessly. Um,
0: oh yeah. Completely. So how, how did you find Magic? Was that when you were in Atlanta or was it even before that or after?
1: It was while I was in Atlanta, yeah. So I played a lot of card games in high school. And then in midway through college, I, I stopped playing cards for a little while. Then I got back into playing cards uh, mostly because I had that's when I started getting like accessibility I was able to drive around nobody played Yu-Gi-Oh in Atlanta not not at school right so I didn't have anyone to bond with over that but they were playing this game called Magic and I was like okay look it it's probably it can't be as complex as what I'm doing right now and it turns out it was way more complex but that's the national that's like the natural draw to it right like you it's a challenge so I want I, I dived in started playing you know and we would people in the school we would go to locals and hang out and you know we had like a little area we would meet every wednesday i was hooked it was it was just so so easy to to play more and more and more of this game like it consumed me right like i'd i'd be up on weekends you know just like watching nine hours of like scg coverage and i'd skip legacy at the time that's when i was just getting into it and then i i personally love it i think it only it like took over i stopped playing Oh at some point and then it was just all magic all the time and I I don't know, yeah. it's like it's
0: addicting. you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So do you think you have an addictive personality where you go all in on things that your hobbies or magic and things like that, or is it just particularly magic that drew you to to do? oh, it's
1: that? it's it's almost toxic how how I can be so zoned into something that I enjoy and that I am passionate about and then just care so little for something that I you know is not interesting to me. So, for example, this is what I was talking about earlier. My first year, like my freshman year at college, I, I took a uh, Japanese 101 and it was very easy. It was not too hard. I mean, like it was just basics, right? Like more of like the tedious parts about learning a language that I could just do on my own time. And I, for some reason, for some deranged reason, I felt like I didn't have to go to class because it was just like that easy. Like I didn't feel like they could, you know, that sort of thing. It was a humbling lesson. I failed the class because attendance was 30%. You know what I mean? And for something that was, so easy and like, but just like so, like not interesting to me. The the whole tedious part about it, I put zero effort into it. Whereas for magic, I would like, you know, look at every single deck list, you know, watch watch every single piece of video I can, you know, try to get SCG Premium whenever I could to like consume the, the latest article, refresh, 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 right? So it's like that sort of like, that's like the spectrum where that, I would that land spectrum
0: of difference, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And I and I the sad part is I think is like it's still. Well, I don't, I don't even know if it's necessarily sad because it allows me like it, it still it still applies to me today. Right. So I think in the broader scheme of things, a more realistic application would be like my real job versus my hobby as a streamer. I am super passionate about creating legacy content. I am yep. not passionate about my job, that kind of thing. And so not like I would, I mean, I've I've grown up a little bit, right? Like that was the experience that I told you about with class was like very like eye-opening for me. It was one of those things where it was just like, look, this is the real world and you cannot just say no to whatever you want. There are some baseline things that you have to do Sure, it's just part of being a grown-up, you know what I mean? So
0: Yeah, yeah. You got to have an occupation. You got to figure a way to put food on the table for oneself, like those kind of things. Exactly, yeah. So uh, how did you end up moving to, there's so many questions I want to ask, but how, how did you yeah. end up moving to D.C.? Like, was it just as part of your career or, like, post-graduation? Like, how, how exactly did you find your way to D.C.?
1: Yeah, it's as simple as that. Uh, they wanted me to move to D.C. When I, my, my first job out of college, they wanted me to move to D.C. I was like, all right, I'm not going back home because I feel like, again, like, given how much my... Effort my parents had put into me, I have to have a job at the end of college. That kind of thing, right? When it was really stressful too, because you know not having something to show for all of the all that sort of stuff kind of did get to me. But and as soon as they were like, "Yeah, you get the job, you just have to move to DC," I said, "Sign me up, I'm there." Um, And it's it's been it's been pretty good. I have really enjoyed. Well, compared to like what I other other jobs that I could have possibly had, I've really enjoyed this one, and that's the function of. (laughs) It's a function of this job, like being the right amount of work for me while also allowing me to do other things, if that makes it. sense. It's, it's really it's a job with a really good work-life balance, I guess, so.
0: Okay. Uh, are you doing something like that now? Or, like, maybe this is fast-forwarding too much, but, like... No,
1: no, no. Yeah, I, I still work at the same company. I, like, I got promoted a couple times, and now I'm technically, like, a project manager, which is kind of a scary thought for me, but... Uh, yeah, like it's 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 still got that good work-life balance and that's honestly one of the reasons why I've, I've I've stuck with it because I really do want to spend a lot of time doing other things because well it's like the other things that I'm passionate about compared to you know being a spreadsheet monkey and doing all the so, easy stuff.
0: I had no idea that we had so many things in common until today. For example, again, I don't want to make this so so much about me, but you know, I also have siblings, I'm Asian, I grew up, you know, in on the west coast in Canada, Vancouver, Canada, actually, Mm -hmm. near Seattle. Uh, My parents separated when I was in middle school. Uh, I studied computer science. I started off coding. I also hated coding. But I actually got into project management, and I would think that maybe for someone like you, who is, like, very, like, personable and, like, good at working and talking to people, like, wouldn't you enjoy being a project manager or do you think it's like too administrative or something else oh yeah
1: that's where I fall I I I hate the admin work you know I hate having to like 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 set up
0: meetings and stuff like that or
1: yeah that that's the part that I don't like I think the part that I do like is like the work that I'm good at like I I am good at presenting deliverables now albeit this is the first time that's not true this is the quote second time where I'm being the project manager and again like Okay, I'll, let's just get into it. I guess we can always sure yeah ed- edit it out. Um, about a year a year and a half ago, my my project manager at the time got pregnant, and it's a very small project. So they said you'll be the proxy PM until I'm back, you know, from maternity leave. Uh, I said okay. I did not do a good job. I was not happy with my performance. I mean, whatever, it was passable, but it was not something that I was proud of. So mm-hmm. fast forward to today, this has only recently happened where I, I you know I became project manager and I'm definitely like much more conscious about how I failed last time or how I, what I could have done better and I'm applying myself here. but it is not necessarily something that I'm crazy about, right? like mm-hmm. filing in like status reports and like looking at like burn rates for hours on the contract and things like that. That's like whatever it is, you know it's something that I would not mind if another person was doing. Um, did you yeah. did you
0: talk to somebody about your, your challenges when you first started filling in as a, as a PM? Because I remember like way back in the day when I, my first PM gig, right? It was even like a, a temporary thing too. I felt so overwhelmed. Like I felt like I wanted to just quit my job. Like it was just so overwhelming having to just like Wrestle these moving pieces together, and you have uh-huh. everybody. The funny thing about projects too is that everybody wants the moonlight as a PM as well. They all feel like they're the PM, and they, but they don't want to actually do the work. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. so it's like it's like they all want to like override what you're saying or what you're trying to do. At the same time, they ne- they don't want to take any responsibility for it. And you know, it's like that old cliche. It's like the project manager takes all the responsibility if the project fails. Uh, god forbid if it fails but then they get none of the credit if things actually go well because they think that you're just like hey you're not the one actually coding or you're not the one actually architecting so you're you're like kind of considered extra so anyway i just want to say it's a thankless job and i'm curious if you actually talk to anybody about that because i think it's very common that when you start becoming a project manager at first that you do feel like you're failing all the time you know
1: yeah that's a good i i actually no, i didn't really talk to anyone um personality trait i don't no, if I'm actually the kind of person that goes out there and, like, says, hey, like... Unless, like, I actually am drowning, I don't really go out there and, like, you know, ask for help too much. Um, For for bigger pictures. For, if it's for, like, smaller things, like deliverables, oh, I'll be knocking on your door, I'll be asking, like, hey, do you want, like, navy blue font, or do you want, you know, light blue font, or some... Things like that, you get what I'm saying? Uh, But for this kind of thing, no, I actually didn't really end up talking to anybody. when I probably should have, because lately... Not even lately, I just... You know, actually, okay fine. lately, I've been thinking more about like how it's probably a good idea to not have to reinvent the wheel to like solutions to these kind of problems, right? People are out there and they're resources that you can pursue and approach and learn from. and it's just probably better to like talk these kind of things out. Um but no, yeah, I just I didn't I, I tried to do it myself. I tried to I tried to keep living the same way that I used to back when I was a proxy pm without really changing too much of my lifestyle. so it's kind of like what you were talking about. And then it just like crashed in my face um, where I was able to do some of the stuff, but I could have done a much better job. Like when you're a PM, that's when like it really does get real. And like you cannot, on admin work, you cannot miss any of those sort of deadlines, right? Because there's like a giant moving picture and you have to be able to keep the gears rotating. And I didn't really respect that. And, you know, like I may have missed like one submission here and then like not got the perfect number here and those sort of things, right? And it it, it, it does matter. People were, uh, you know, observant of that. And I think that's the thing that like scares me the most is like I don't know who is watching and like what they're thinking until the very end of it all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, that, that's, that's, I didn't have like a way to evaluate my own performance at the time. And it's sort of, because I waited until the exact last minute, that's when they were like, hey, you need to do a better job you're, 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 fine. You're your head's barely over the water, but the expectation is that you are flying in the air, you know, like way up high, not even close to this kind of position. So yeah, well, it was, well
0: it was... there's two, there's two things about that. Right. So number one, it is like a massive machine. Like when you're working in any role where they actually need a PM role, like it, it's effectively this like giant machine and you're just a piece of that machine. And so you, I, I hear what you're saying. Like people don't, you don't know who's watching because it could be like your boss's boss's boss or someone looking at some report and be like Anurag is doing well or not doing well. Oh. The other thing is that uh, <laughs> my point number two is just like I, I totally feel you. Like don't just don't be so hard on yourself. I know that This is not like a career call or anything, but it's just like I think you need to understand that like this happens <laughs> every day to everybody. and Yeah, yeah. You know, th- th- this is my free advice to you. Like I, I've been I'll there. I'll take so, it. So, you know, like just... You know, also, it's very hard. Like, I'm not going to go around and if I'm having a bad day at work, I'm not going to go and like do a therapy session with somebody like, oh, woe is me. You know, I'm getting paid X dollars a year and then it's so hard for me as a project manager, you know, when yeah. someone's out there like busting their ass at Walmart. So, you know, I, I feel that, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, we all live our own reality. So mm-hmm. I, I would just say like, don't be so hard on yourself. It also sounds like, you know, maybe... The folks around you, like your boss or you know the team, hasn't really given you like a lot of the support that you need because like honestly, they should be telling you or monitoring and helping you if you're you're having trouble, and they should be able to sense that by just asking you like Anurag, how are you doing? Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's super tricky. So this kind of just goes back to like where you know growing up, it was all about the the, the delta between like getting a ninety nine on a math test and a hundred on a math test is something that would just like drive me crazy, you know what I mean? Because I always wanted to, like, overperform. I always wanted to impress my parents. I always wanted to, you know, just, like, do good in their eyes, that kind of thing. And I think it's been so ingrained in my head that, like, just not automatically for any task, like, you know, smashing the ball out of the park, it, it sort of does drag me down. I think to this day, like, even for things like streaming, there there definitely is that sort of, like, mental tax And I don't know if we'll we'll talk about that later, I guess, but it it definitely does apply for for work where it's just like, even though I don't have to do too much compared to like what other people are doing, like, I still want to find the balance between delivering the best project, uh, product, or at least making sure that whoever's getting whatever, you know, I'm supposed to give them is happy versus my own personal, like, I don't want to put too much time into this because I want to work on other stuff, that kind of stuff. Yeah, does that make yeah. sense? That sort of balance. I Hopefully. you're definitely correct that I should not like overanalyze these things, and I think I've actually done a better job like since you know like growing up, like sort of like distancing myself from that. Like I've I've been able to say like, hey, okay, it's okay. This is a learning opportunity. Get better. Oddly enough, I feel like magic has like a huge part in that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but, yeah let's, you're let's, absolutely
0: right. Yeah, no, no, that's good. That's a good. That's a good transition. Let's talk more about. Magic, like, so, you know, how how long did it take you to start playing your first competitive events for Magic? Because, like, we're talking about channeling whatever it is into games, right? So how, how did you get started into, like, competitive Magic?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I should feel, but I don't think I should be embarrassed about this, but sometimes there's a stigma. I did start playing Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was growing up. Um, it was about, like, the 10th grade or so. I, I, I wasn't really, like, a social butterfly. And, you know, high school was not an enjoyable experience for me. I don't know if this resonates with people. But one of my friends, you know, started playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! And they got me into the game, right? And this was one of those things where my parents wouldn't pay for cards and things like that. Um, It just, you know, the concept of, like, things like like an allowance was not something that I was exposed to. My parents just kind of, like, the expectation was to overperform, not be rewarded for overperforming. So... My friend, like, where am I getting with this? Right. So my friend had a bunch of like, they had just like really busted decks. You know what I'm saying? I had whatever I could afford, you know, at the time. But I'm I've heard about
0: these OTK decks. Is that what it was?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's stuff like that. Well, I think back in the day, it wasn't nearly as bad. Like there was a little bit of like strategy and thought. And today, I don't even know what the game looks <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, I I've heard a lot of complaints, but I haven't looked at it. Um, but my Sorry, sorry a, to
0: sorry to go on a tangent, but please.
1: Oh no no, you're you're fine, man. This is I, I like this. This is great discussion. Yeah, but I'm a very competitive person, and I wanted to win, right? So I buckled down. I spent my years playing Yu-Gi-Oh. That was I I would call that like the intro years to like card theory and all these sort of things, right? I didn't necessarily, I would, maybe I wouldn't be able to like explain it to you in words, but like the concept still applied. In so so when I started playing Magic in college, right off the bat. I was, you know, like I wanted to go to events. I wanted to perform in events. I wanted to be number one, not exactly realizing how good magic player, w- players were, you know, compared to, cause like the, the average Yu-Gi-Oh player, probably not as good as the average magic player. So like I told, you know, in Atlanta, I went to super games a lot and, uh, you know, one of my quote mentors at the time was, you know, Corey McDuffie. And I, so, I told him, look, this is my first year transitioning into magic. Corey, I'm going to top eight a Grand Prix. And he looked at me and he laughed. And he was just like, you know what? We'll set the bar a little bit lower, right? And I was just like, why? What's so hard about this? And, and he was like, you'll understand once you try. And I, I learned very fast that, you know, people are very talented in magic. But that, that only made the like it more addicting. Like, it, it just only drew me further into. Wanting to win, to sort of like you know, match myself against the best, and and the higher that, the mountain, like, the
0: more you're hungry to climb it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, notably, I did not top eight a Grand Prix in my first year, and it's it's been many years since, and I still have not top eighted a Grand Prix. But now I'm like okay with it because I've got other goals and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so going full circle. Almost immediately off the bat because of like my background with Yu-Gi-Oh!, I was very competitive in magic and I really was aiming for the uh, the that number one spot, yeah.
0: So what what was it like? Atlanta must have had a very strong scene with players like Corey and like was it just like a bloodbath every every F and M or like every event or how how, how how was it?
1: Uh I think getting in it was tough. I I don't remember too much about it, but I definitely wasn't the best. I think for me, I actually invested in Magic Online super early. It was like one of those things where I I googled, hey, how to get good at Magic fast, and like the Reddit was just like, just get Magic Online and start playing. Yep. Get get yep. reps in, you know what I mean? And I I I jumped the gun on it. I was like, all right, look, I know I have to buy cards twice, but if this is the best way for me to get better, I will I will shamelessly like throw everything into it and hope for the best kind of deal, and it, it it worked, it helped a lot. you know It didn't take long for me to sort of get better and better and better, and then like, you know like at F and m how there's like the, that group of like players that are clearly like you know not there playing casually, right? like I was yeah. able to like somehow infiltrate the squads and like learn from them as well, and then you know befriend them and like I just I mean it, it was a process for sure, it was a journey, but uh, I, I, I think um I started off bad. I played a lot, I got better.
0: Seems like a reasonable story, right? What What do you think was your first level up moment? Like the first event or specific moment, if you can pinpoint it, that you kind of said to yourself, hey, I've actually leveled up here. I worked at this and now I'm actually at a higher level than I was.
1: That's an interesting question because I don't think, I don't think I really leveled up for a long time. So... My background, I played like a year of Standard, then I found Modern was a format, then I played like a year, maybe half a year of Modern, and then I found Legacy was a format, and that's when I really got into it. I don't think I leveled up until I actually like Deep Dive committed to Legacy and and, and the deck that I played for years, but I think, yeah, I, that's probably what it was, like, you know, maybe like a, like a half a year or a year into playing like Miracles, you know, Top Counterbalance, Miracles or whatever, that's when I realized like, okay, I was able to commit to a deck, commit to learning the nuances of it, apply all the theory that I've learned, and now here I am. You know, like, Miracles is one of those decks where you could definitely like evaluate your performance and 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 sort of observe how you get from not so good with the deck to, to decent with the deck to like really good with the deck, right? Like, for example, like the speed with which you can activate a card like Sensei's Divining Top that sort of like that should be almost like instinctual to anyone who played back in the day or like at the you know and and i remember like before i would have to think about like okay this is my three cards or right, i put them back wait shit what did i do okay wait look at them again oh okay yeah that's what it was put them again that sort of inefficiency and then it boiled down to okay i'm going to activate the top i know what card i'm looking for before i even want it i didn't find mm-hmm. it fetch do it again rinse repeat i know my outs that sort of stuff you know So really your
0: level up was like a gradual thing where you sort of found the deck miracles that you became one with the deck where it's like you knew it inside and out. Would you say that's fair?
1: Yeah, I think that would be for me like... Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it.
0: What made you a control player? Like what made you gravitate towards that deck in, in Legacy?
1: I was always a control player. Even when I first started playing card games, I think what I learned about... So when I played... Yu-Gi-Oh, what I noticed was sometimes you just get really punished when you overcommit. So this concept of overextending was just even back like years ago was always in the back of my mind. I was like, all right, just never do it, never do it, never do it, never do it, which is kind of like how the control decks played out, right? If you overstep your boundary, you know, you would get immediately crushed, immediately punished. I also like the idea of just drawing cards. I don't know. Card advantage is like was a theory that was extremely appealing to me because you have the ultimate end game. You have... The luxury you know it it takes a little bit of work and then a little bit of navigation but you know once you get there it's just like a very elegant way to to win games of magic and i think that's what sort of resonated with with me the most
0: i see so tell me about because i think let me think we met way later when i think it was gp seattle i remember like that's when i got i got to know wilson hunter a little bit better and we went to the west coast and that's when we met up with you. I, I remember that was a GP where we made fun of you because you were like huddling with Jola Set and like I talking know. about miracles. Wilson, Wilson still. We, I realized you had these weird fetishes, like, you know, like changing your sleeves every round. But anyway, that's, <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent, but like how, like, so yeah, like how, how did you get connected to that? Like miracles community. And with like people like Wilson, was it just like a, it just happened organically or what?
1: Uh, this is one of those situations where when I'm, interested in something i will not stop i it, it's it's so selfish and i i hate thinking about it this way but i will not stop till i get what i want and i think for this it okay all right this is gonna be weird stuff but back when miracles was really good there were there were a couple players that were just Maybe like the creme de la creme, like the top 0.01% in terms of like how good they were, right? And I personally wanted to get better. And I felt like, okay, look, if I can network with these guys, this is my ticket to getting good fast. And I...
0: That's not weird at all. That's what you should do. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah I've sort of learned that actually that's kind of the secret to everything. But what I wanted to do... So what I ended up doing was like I devoured all their content, right? On whether it's like articles posted, even like in in forums right so i remember like you know just like looking through the chat a long time ago and i was like hey look i i went through the source and i compiled over 500 pages worth of all of your comments put them in a spreadsheet i want to show you that i'm committed to this deck and committed to learning this deck and he like it, it was something that you that kind of feat it gets noticed you know what i'm saying right yeah like that was uh Wow, I, I'm just thinking about this. What was the question again? Where how did I get? Oh, here? so how how
0: did you get so deeply ingrained into the the legacy or the legacy slash miracles community? Like, yeah, how did you infiltrate that?
1: Right, yeah. right, right. So, so that that's exactly what I did, right? It was my drive to get better that led me to do crazy things. Those crazy things got noticed, and then one day you get added to a Facebook group where people are talking about a bunch of things and things like that, and. It's 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 really weird. I do feel like there is like an element at like the top tier of magic where it's extremely like inclusive. It's really hard to break through, and I don't even know today like what people would like if you wanted. If if I queued for the pro tour, I don't know what I would do. You know, like who would I talk to to. to you know get better or prepare or those sort of things right like you have these like well, you, you might you
0: might get added to a secret group tomorrow like you know pe- yeah preparing you never, for the pro tour you yeah. never
1: know that sort of thing right so it's just like it, it's really weird and I, I i don't know if i necessarily like vibe with that part of magic but it is magic is a competitive game at the end of the day and this is that level of competition and this is what exists right so that's what it was like back then one day i was able to join i think it also involved uh, what was it called? Oh, there was an SCG. My first SCG opened top eight, which I got disqualified from. After that top eight, they were like, all right, looks like you can play the deck competently. You can join this chat. We'll teach you what we know. This sort of stuff, and it sounds all weird now that I have to wait. Thinking. Wait, wait, how did you
0: get disqualified? Did you cheat oh, you, or something? <laughs> yeah, I
1: te- I technically did cheat, but in like. Oh, the was weird- it?
0: Was it like? Is it about the price split thing, or was something else?
1: Um, it's even w- stupider than that. Uh, are you, are so you comfortable
0: talking about it? We yeah, can
1: absolutely. Out. I th- this is a gr- I this I learned a lesson here that I am I'm pretty glad that I learned. Right, so. I'm playing against Elves, which is a very good matchup for Miracles in the top eight of the event. I I win game one. Instant Speed Terminus is very good against the creature deck, right? Mm -hmm. And this is my first top eight ever of this size. And I'm feeling very emotional at this point, right? My opponent draws for their uh, opening hand and they go, ah, shit, Judge. And they said they drew eight cards. So the Judge comes over and says, all right, You have to mulligan to six cards now. That's the rule. That was the rule at the time. I felt really bad for my opponent, and I didn't want them to. I didn't want my first, you know, top eight experience to be like this. I didn't want to like win on a technicality. I wanted to like Mm -hmm. give it my all, kind of deal. So I said, "Judge, is there any way that you know we can do this without my opponent having to go down to seven or six or whatever it was?" And the judge says, "Well, there is technically a workaround. The two of you could agree to intentionally draw this game and move on to the next round." Now, at the time, I was a college student, right? There's a lot of money on the line here. We're playing for, what, $2,000 for top four or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really sure what to do. So I kind of was like, all right, look, I'll just leave it up to RNG, whether I, you know, (laughs) ID this one and give my opponent a fair shot or just, you know, crush them. And I rolled a die, and as soon as the die left my hand, literally mid-air, I remember it, my opponent called the judge and was like, "Are you allowed to do that?" We started playing. Ten minutes later, the judge comes and says, "Hey, you're disqualified for this. I understand you're trying to help your opponent out, but you're not allowed to do this." And I was like, "Oh, well, this is awkward." And I didn't complain. I didn't say anything. I signed the, you know, the DQ form and provided an explanation and walked out. It was like, "All right." No, that,
0: that's an honest mistake. I mean, if I'm being sympathetic to you, I would say that you try to be sympathetic to your opponent, and then your opponent angle shot you and you know got you out of the tournament.
1: Well, yeah, but at the same time, too, like, this is the I mean, reason why...
0: He should call a judge, but but you know what I mean. If I'm being yeah, sympathetic yeah. to you, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I, so so to answer your question, like, I don't think I actually cheated. I was just trying to be nice to my opponent, but I was also indecisive, and I paid the price for that kind of indecision, and I'm okay with it today. Like, I, it was a really good learning experience. I will not make that mistake again, and it's, it's yeah. helped me sort of identify, like, how to proceed in certain scenarios that I've run into since the fact. Like, at this point, like, for example, right, like, nowadays, like, the age-old question is like, if someone misclicks on Magic Online, like they click their attack step when you're dead on board, do you give them the win? At, and at this point, I know, okay, just be cutthroat. Don't think about it. It happens. Yeah. Take the take the take the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. So right. it was like a really expensive lesson to learn.
0: Just to be clear, if someone does that on Magic Online, you would not just give them win because like it's just your own personal principle, and because like chances are if. You make that mistake, they're not going to give you the win either, right?
1: Well, I don't even factor that into arbitration. It's just more like it's just more like, yeah, just be cutthroat in those scenarios because winning Spikes, is right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm I am pretty spiky. Um, I mean, obviously, like, there are certain scenarios where I'm not going to care. Like if if the stakes aren't high, fine, whatever. I I will also not, you know, care as much. But that's just like magic, right? Like Magic Online is a video game. It is. Everyone's responsibility to be adept at playing this game. And at the end of the day, like, can you blame me for misclicking? Like, no, right? Like that's and, and then it goes the same way around. Like I will not ever, you know, hold my opponent liable for something that was under my control. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: So who are your biggest uh influences or inspirations and in miracles when you were, you know, trying to get better at that deck?
1: Oh yeah. The easiest one is Philip Schoeniger. He was he was like the maybe not the necessarily the best player at the time but he was most, he was the best player who was also vocal at the time so he definitely farmed all the clout for that and i looked up to him like you know i would uh, he, his his content was everything that i consumed and did that sort of stuff and he played he played like a god like it was incredible i mean now
0: i i, I, I remember seeing him at i think gp new jersey or mm-hmm. maybe one of those gps like Basically I remember I mean I've been playing Legacy for a long time too, you know, not as well as you and others, but uh you know, like when I when I see I remember when I first saw Philip Schoenerger play, he made me never want to play miracles again because <laughs> or even try, because like it's like you're watching like the Michael Jordan of of Miracles. Like he's his, he's topping so quickly. Yeah. Like what yeah. like I just feel like, you know, every now after watching him play, like you watch anybody take like twenty seconds on the top activation, you're just like Play faster, buddy. Like yeah, you know, no, like, for sure. Just like you can never sure. get to that level. Like he's just like up there, you know.
1: When I when top got banned, that was one of my biggest like like inner hesitations because it was like I understand that some people are learning the deck and they take time at the top level. Like like in round fifteen, the people playing for their winner in to grand prix, they play like Philip, right? They 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 don't have to think about it's, it's like muscle memory to them. And so it was kind of tragic because you lose that element of magic, but at the same time for the greater good, like, the card just, you know, it, it was it was a pretty crazy card in Legacy,
0: I'll say that much, yeah. Yeah, so, so Philip, and who else?
1: Um, I'm trying to think, like, I think really that was it. I, I did look up to, like, Marcus Ewald a lot. Uh, he was also just, like, s- super good. He had a lot of great theory in the game that sort of just, like, broke me almost and like built me back up kind of deal uh and today like he still like is is he plays a lot of legacy and i i still look up to him today like get a lot of uh just advice from him you know a lot before a lot of my big tournaments he'd be there he'd give me like that prep speech kind of deal so there is kind of like a friend mentor relationship there which i i value a lot yeah it's it's a pretty pretty
0: great nice yeah i wanted to ask you this question because like i'm hoping that. You know, someone can listen back to it and be really upset that you didn't mention them. You know, like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> if you're listening, uh,
1: I, I, I thank you too, uh, whoever you are.
0: <laughs> well, I know Philip's not doing magic anymore, and so other than Marcus, I guess everyone's going to be upset because you didn't mention them. But it's all good. true. Yeah, hey, Philip
1: moved, <laughs> moved to the mountains, became a vegan, came out a philosopher. Like I. I think I see him, saw him on, like, Twitter, like, maybe a month ago. I, I don't know what happened to him, but I'm glad that he's happy, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how did you make the leap into content? Because I, as I understand, it's something to do with miracles, maybe. But I want to hear from, from you directly.
1: Yeah. So, like, before Discord popped off, Facebook Messenger was kind of the best way to talk about ideas. And there were a couple of group chats here and there. And this is sort of like a... When I was at work, there was a lot of downtime. So I would play a lot of Magic online at work and, like, when there was nothing to do and stuff like that. And my, my number one habit would just be like, hey, I'm playing against Rugged Delver with Stifled, S- snipping shot, Posted it in the chat, what would you guys do here? And we would discuss the lines. And I would just do that over and over and over and over and over again. And it was great. I enjoyed that sort of discussion. Like, the, the finer things about Magic where you get to talk about, like, the nuances and, like, the if this then that or that, you know, decision trees. And then like eventually like I would do that even at night when I got home and started playing Magic and I was just like, wait a minute, why why do I why do I make this hard on myself? Why don't I just like show you the whole game and you guys can follow whenever you want to, right? Well, how do you do that, right? You just stream it. So that that I think was the the big transition from just like playing for myself and a couple other people to just openly playing in
0: general, right? What was it like to get started streaming?
1: I had no goals. I didn't really care. About that sort of stuff. I kind of just wanted to provide a platform where I could play miracles and people could like look at what I was doing and you know talk about just like the nuances of the deck. You know what I mean? It was never anything that was intended to be relevant, reasonably big, or anything like that. Um, it was just me playing some Legacy miracles with some friends, and I just stuck to it, I guess, and yeah, grew from there.
0: What are some things that Anurag made mistakes on back then that like, because you're, you're very experienced streaming by now. By the way, congrats. I think you, you, didn't you, haven't you done like six months of like streaming every day or something like that?
1: Um, I'm insane. Yes, or a year. I did. I, uh, no, it's, it's half a year, about 190. Today was day 190 in a row. I, I have not set a goal in my mind yet, so I don't know. But like 365 obviously seems like a pretty cool cutoff. I just, I, it's, it's also something like I don't want to think about. I just take it one day at a time. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: That's insane. That's, that's like a really consistent achievement. And I, am really happy for you. Like that's, that's like, I mean, it's effectively like a full-time job, but going back to when you were first streaming, what are things now that you might tell the Anurag back then? Like if you knew that you're here today?
1: Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's tricky because Anurag back then had different goals um mm-hmm. i i think
0: like back then you just want to get better at miracles or whatever it was yeah right?
1: it was mostly like a social activity with friends rather than streaming to an audience right there's a delta between the two i think what might be easier is like talking to anu when he first realized that he wanted to stop just streaming as a hobby and then like you know hit the tweet the i'm going live you know send that mm-hmm. tweet sort of thing, right? So that when, when he realized that he wanted to do streaming for streaming and not streaming for just like, you know, the hanging out with friends kind of deal. What do
0: you think is the difference? Cause I, I think there is a performative aspect to professional streaming as I, I'll call what you're doing now, professional streaming. Like wh- wh- where's the divide in your words?
1: I think the difference is between catering to yourself and catering to an audience. You want to, when I played Magic, when I played Miracles, I was interested in exactly one thing, which was finding the best play. Now I am interested in one thing and it is providing the best content, you know what I mean? This is like the biggest thing that's important to realize, which is that to be a good streamer, you do not have to be a good Magic player. You, there, Obviously there is some element of proper play that you must be able to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's about creating good content, not necessarily winning matches of Magic. So to do that, I would probably, well, you know, the interesting thing is it's also, it's crazy because they're like, depending on what stage you are, the advice changes a lot. So for example, if I could tell, you know, old Anu, who's wants to like develop their stream, like what to do, I'd say, don't stream, (laughs) don't stream. That's the one thing that you should not do. Um, Instead focus on creating, spend like your off time developing the quality of your content and then also expanding to not just Twitch but like other platforms. So uh, I follow a couple broadcasting
0: gurus, I don't know, people who are really Entertainers, right, or whoever, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, so so the people that I get a lot of my advice from are Harris Heller and Devin Nash. They're two very good YouTubers slash uh, streamers that have basically broken down the art of growing your channel. And I think for anyone who, you know, is interested in that kind of stuff, I would definitely check them out. They've got so much good content um, on YouTube that you can just pick up, mm-hmm. parse, and... And and. and the key is
0: that it's on YouTube, right? Because you're saying yeah. that, like, if you're a streamer, you actually have to use YouTube to, to grow your, your brand or your audience too, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the the big thing about Twitch and the reason why just mindlessly streaming day in, day out is not a good thing for growing is because um, there's no discoverability on Twitch, which is kind of weird, right? Like on YouTube, you can type, you know, hey, I want to watch a video of puppies. And, you know, it'll it'll use the algorithm. It'll find like the best video of puppies for you to watch. The crazy thing about YouTube, though, is that it will use all of your inputs and like what you enjoy watching and how much you watch it like. YouTube's job is to figure out what you want to watch before you watch it. So to like recommend yep. all these things to you. Twitch Twitch doesn't have any of that. Twitch has, there's no way for someone who has three viewers a day to ever actually get noticed by anyone who is, you know, like, like, think about it. When you go to Twitch, right, and you, like, look up a new category, like Dark Souls or mm. something, are you going to scroll down to someone who's got zero viewers? Probably not. You're going to watch the the first person who's got hundreds Absolutely of people no. watching. Absolutely not.
0: You're going to watch, like, the, the croquis of, like, Dark Souls, whoever has the, lar- yeah. the largest number of viewers already.
1: Exactly, yeah. right. Because you're when you when you go on Twitch, you're looking for something exactly, which is, like, the interaction between, like, a streamer and their chat, and you want to interact with... I mean, that's, that's the coolest thing about live streaming, right? It's, it's literally live. You say something, and someone says something back to you. That you know, doesn't really bode well for the underdog because, well, I mean, there's no, there's, there isn't that like sort of scrolling chat where there's a lot of stuff going on and it's hard to parse all that sort of stuff. So, But even before we go too deep into that, like sure.
0: what made you change your mindset from like, I, you know, the goal being like to get really good at miracles to the goal being to become a professional streamer or entertainer or content creator, like what, what flipped the switch for you?
1: This is going to sound kind of crazy, but it actually involves just, like, magic cards. Uh, when I was playing Miracles, and when I was, like, in that mindset of, like, obsessed with um, getting good with Miracles, I think the the pinnacle would be, like, showing off a beautiful, fully foiled-out Miracles deck, right? Yeah. And so that was my goal at the time. Foil it out, foil out my toolbox, foil out all these cards. I, from a hobby perspective, like, that's something that... Uh, it it just makes sense, right? Like, um, or it's like an easy hobby to track, right? You just get more cards, you develop your collection, and that sort of thing. There is like very clear like next step, right? Once I achieve this card, then I want to get this card, then I want to get this card. Mm-hmm. At some point, I just realized though, like financially, it wasn't like a feasible hobby because buying and selling cards is a huge hassle that I didn't want to have to deal with, so I gave it up and I sold all of my foils. And I bought like a ridiculous gaming setup that I use to this day, and it was probably the best decision of my life. Well, okay, no, eh, let's rank it like let's say like top five uh, after oh, my marrying maybe, my wife.
0: Maybe best magic decision of your.
1: There we life. go. That's sure. that's a, yeah yeah. If my wife is listening to this, yeah, best <laughs> magic decision. There we go. So, yeah, and, and I think that's where it developed, right? Because I found myself streaming so much that I was like, okay, well, what's the next step? How do I make this better? And that's where I got like immediately addicted to this idea of streaming for the sake of streaming. It was a hobby that I could improve on that was definitely like a lot more abstract than just like buying foils. It was It's, it's a lot more complicated, right? I think one of the hardest things about streaming and creating content is the concept of like a growth, if that makes sense. It's very hard to analyze your growth as a content creator. Even to this day, I struggle with, understanding why I I grow or get better or, you know, that sort of thing. So, but but even then, like, that was part of the challenge, right? It's just, like, figuring out, all right, well, you know, right now I'm averaging 10 viewers. Okay, cool. How can I bump that up to 20 people? How can I trick 10 more people into, you know, watching me every day? That kind of thing. And I, I think, I don't know if I necessarily, like, figured it out or whatever, but definitely that's when the gear started turning and that's where... You sort of realize that it's not about finding the best play; it's about making the best content. So, what is the best content? And and even to this day, I don't know.
0: I I am really curious, though. Like, how did you get that? How did you work up that hustle to get you know the first like thirty concurrent viewers or or whatnot? Like, what did you have to do? You just I was so obnoxious.
1: Uh, 6 p.m. I I I hit the live button. 6:01. I. Hey, this is Anurag. I'm streaming twitch.tv slash AnzidMTG or Anzi 104 back in the, in the day. And then I'd paste it in one group, one Facebook group. I would paste it in another Facebook group. I would paste it in another Facebook group. Basically, I spammed the living shit out of everybody. Sorry, I don't... Should I watch my language? I don't, I don't know. No, it's I totally
0: it, fine. All, all profanities are welcome.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I basically spammed everyone. Every single time. I was that guy who... Just annoyed everyone, and I honestly like if I went back and I wanted to do the process the same way, I would do it exactly the same way, right? Yeah. Friends you and family, do that. yeah. Friends and family are the the easiest people to get to watch you because you you have that direct relationship. Like right? at the end of the day, like what gets somebody to come back to watching you, right? It's the relationship that you have, the relationship that you develop with them, right? Friends and family, very easy. They know you as a person, and they'll laugh at your mistakes, and they'll you know look for you to they'll. Root for your success, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of getting more people to, you know, see you in the same way. Um, It's it's a two-way street, obviously, as well. You need to be able to invest yourself in whoever's watching you. And that's how your community grows after all, right? So, yeah, I would spam everybody on Facebook, on all social medias. i get like 10, 15 people. Great. And then, you know, two weeks later, it'd be... 15, 20 people, and then two weeks later, maybe twenty three people, and it would it would grow, right? Like you, that's how you start the snowball, very slowly, but you know it, it does it does grow. It's just a matter did of you, like, consistency. Did you have
0: any? Did you have any like self doubts at any point in the process?
1: Oh yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah, I mean the first time, I think I had. I, so I don't even remember what my first punt was, right? But there is that emotion where you make a really silly mistake, and. Everyone who was watching you, who at the time were people who were very invested in the success of miracles, right? So my my perspective was creating the best content. Their goal was to see the best magic play, right? And oh, okay. You know, everybody
0: was like on the stream, like with their arms crossed, like okay. Yeah, just like I can't believe you did that,
1: and I I get heated, like flush in the face. I mean, and it's it's crazy because like I'm Indian, I have brown skin. You you you, when I when I blush, (laughs) then you you know, Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, and and so. Yeah, that that's, like, the sort of thing, like, that would get me at first, and then, I don't know, I kind of just, like, rolled with it. I think, for me, personally, like, I have this personal, personality where, like, I am, it's very easy for me to bounce back. I don't, I mean, I might get tilted, but you won't see it, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so, like in a flash, you you're able to move on, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I'll think about it for sure. and and then i'll 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 move on lately. The strategy has kind of changed where I sort of embrace the tilt and you know use that to create a different type of content, but that that's like a totally different topic. Um, yeah. but but, yeah, so I'm able to bounce back. anyways, I think the other thing that really messes me up is when I am looking at when I am tracking my growth and I'm thinking like, hey, I've been streaming for a month, three days a week. You know, I've committed 12 hours a week. That's a lot of time if you, like, over, over, whatever. You know, for a hobby, that's a lot of time. But I'm not growing. I see 20 hour, twenty people watching on Monday, and then, you know, four Mondays later, what do you mean it's 17 people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the kind of thing where it's just like, it. this is a very gradual process, and so the highs, they're very high, but the lows can get really low, where it's just like, you don't understand why you're failing, because... There's a very it's a very there's a very personal aspect to it, right? Like if your viewership goes down, that literally means people are not interested enough to give you the time of day, right? Yeah. Which is kind of a terrifying thought because then it just like it 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 does make you feel a little bit less about yourself. Um nowadays I'm very I it's it's that whole concept of PMA, which is positive mental attitude. You try to take the things that are not good, and you try to spin them in a way where you can actually like develop and grow and push forward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than dwell in the negativity, it's like, okay, well, I had twenty viewers on this Monday, and then a month later I had seventeen. So what did I do in this past, past month? Right, get analytical about it. Think about like the the minute decisions, and then say, okay, look, don't do this. Try it for another week and see if that changes. If it doesn't change, okay, maybe that wasn't it. Maybe don't do this, or a combination of things, and just keep like throwing mud at the wall trying to change yourself until you find something that someone might be interested in watching you know what I mean and that I think that's personal or like growth as a streamer maybe not necessarily it grows the channel but that is definitely like a very powerful tool to improve yourself and improve the content that you're creating is to keep making more content and keep experimenting and tweaking and that sort of stuff right but it's 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 tricky also and I don't know if I'm talking too long it's tricky also because there is like an emotional aspect to it where it's like man i don't know if i can do this anymore because you know it's i'm just not succeeding and you just have to like suck it up and keep doing it kind of deal right there was a really interesting conversation that i saw on twitter the other day which was like someone was like hey to the person out there who's grinding 7 days a week you know trying to make it in the esports business i'll tell you this much you're doing the right thing you work your ass off it's not going to get easier and there was a huge conversation about like whether no like you should not burn yourself to a crisp working on this sort of stuff, right? You're going to burn out. This is not healthy. This is not what you're supposed to do. But it's just the nature of the industry where I feel like you just have to keep trying. It is a very competitive industry, right? If somebody is watching someone else, that means they're not watching you. So you need to literally, you're literally competing with somebody else to get someone's attention, Mm -hmm. which is super tricky. And it's like, there's a lot of like, it's pretty cutthroat because on one hand, like, you want to be friends with everyone in the community, but also you have to... The only way you succeed is by, like, not, eh, quote, like, taking their viewership. Right? It, you it want is that kind of a share.
0: zero-sum game in terms yes. of attention, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some people that are really good at, like, holding up multiple tabs and, you know, watching multiple people at the same time, but that's not the average viewer, right? That's not the average right. consumer.
0: If I'm eating dinner and I want to watch something on my laptop, like... I have to make a very clear choice. Am I going to YouTube to watch some basketball video because I'm into basketball? Am I going on Twitch to watch Anu? Am I going on Twitch to watch, I don't know, insert name of Twitch streamer here? Yeah, like, yeah. It's a very zero sum for at least like for me as an individual making that choice, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, that's where, I know this is like sort of like a weird like deviation of like, you know, the ups and downs, but that's that's kind of like the thought process of, just how like cutthroat what the industry is. I think that's another thing to realize too, is that like once you transition from streaming for fun to streaming for the sake of streaming, I mean, obviously it, it still needs to be fun. It needs to be something that you enjoy, uh, but it, it does transition into something of like a business, right? Like, like imagine if you were st- like, you know, starting Cardboard Live, right? That mm-hmm. process, you have to evaluate it as something that is a living, breathing product And you need to be able to invest in its success, whether it's like extra time, extra money, whatever it is. So you need to stop thinking of it as like a a game and you need to start thinking of it as like very strategically in order to do better. So
0: I think there's some parallels. It's like, you know, you know, being a full-time streamer is maybe like fusing yourself with the identity of a deck you're playing In, in the sense that this thing, like, I know that people can laugh and just say that... What I'm saying is that I think you touched on something very real, which is like when you're streaming, that's you, right? Yeah. It's like, so when people don't watch you, it can almost feel like it's a rejection of you as a as a person, mm-hmm. as a human being even, yeah. as opposed yeah. to just like, you know, it could be a million reasons. It could just be because they're, all, they're off playing Magic or they're like watching sports right now, so they're not watching your stream. But it can feel like a very personal rejection because you put all of yourself out there it's yeah. like when you're streaming oh, yeah. it's just you and your 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 fucking green screen and your face and that's like and that your url and that's that's what it is right
1: yeah i you i am i feel i mean the truth is i am extremely vulnerable when i stream you know what i mean like i'm putting myself i i have my heart on my sleeve it's there in front of you and if somebody walks away from it it's like well that sucks to you know like it sucks to suck i guess i don't know so Yeah. It's weird. I, oh man, there was something else that I wanted to say, which was, oh, you touched on a really good thing too, which was like, so let's say, let's say that someone's not interested in my personality necessarily. Another way that I can approach it is by providing value to people. I think another, a new look that I've sort of like adapted towards this is like,
0: it's okay, so you were talking about like offering almost like two axes of value. One is like your personality, the other is sort of yeah. the non personality, like learning from the stream or getting some other value. So can you talk more about that?
1: Yeah. So I think if you're if somebody isn't interested in your personality, then the other thing that you could do is provide value to them, whether it's like learning like an educational sort of thing where they're learning about the game, or if it's um I don't know, like you know, maybe there's like something in it for the viewer, like they get a prize or this is like a high level thing, but like if there's like some sort of reward for them to watch or something like that. So that's why I think generally speaking, like when you go to Twitch and you look at who is performing the best, right? You Mm -hmm. have, when I say by performing the best, I mean like who has got like a lot of viewers or whatever. It's people that have either been streaming forever or you might even see like people that are really good at esports for example you know if you go to mm-hmm. league of legends you'll see like a lot of the professional players they'll have like hundreds and thousands just of like your
0: skill level being the exactly
1: right? right right so that's where it's just like people want to see they want to see like the wow like you made this incredible play that's so cool like the 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 creme de la creme of whatever it is that they're watching right so i think and this is kind of like I, I really don't like this about streaming uh, but if you are really good you can broadcast yourself and like try to use that as a metric for for people to come in and see you right like to see that you know you can play super skillfully you have the the reflexes and the apm to you know take down everybody and and i don't know the, people people don't want to go on twitch and like watch you know Silver like whatever like silver Elo play you know because that's what they're doing right now and you know like they, if they want that they could literally just go in the game right they want to see like the the flashy the mind games the the next level whatever they can't do they want to see that you know what I mean they want to be impressed sometimes I mean so that, that makes
0: sense so what in your in your mind, what do you bring to that dimension? how are you bringing things other than just pure like strategic gameplay to your stream
1: yeah. Uh, that's a really good question because I, I think before when I first started streaming, that was kind of my 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 gimmick. I'm really good at miracles. Come watch me, you know, play miracles. Um, now I'm not really good with miracles. So <laughs> what what
0: happened? I, I just thought twenty twenty magic. Just kidding.
1: Yeah, exactly. Twenty twenty. We're in a different age now. So I yeah, it's it's weird. I feel like now my. My new thing is just like, I love Legacy and I want to see this format prosper. I want to see it grow and I want everybody who, you know, is into the format to be able to hang out here. And I want people who are new to the format to also sort of just be able to learn about it, get into it, that sort of thing, right? Which is kind of, it's it's not exactly the same thing in terms of, you know, you're really, like, good at something and so you're able to get people in. But I do feel like there is an element of, I can provide this value to you and you'll be better off for it. You know what I'm saying? So, for example, one, one thing that I think uh, is really interesting. So, so for the Channel Fireball videos, right, uh, there's this thing going on right now called the, the Master Series, which is where I will team up with somebody who has played certain, you know, XYZ deck for years and years and years. They know the ins and outs. They know the nuances. They can like smell like you know like the this is how the game is going to play out three turns before I even know it's coming that kind of thing right. They've got the skill. I team up with them. I learn from them. I record it and then I show it to everybody else as well right. It's it's gotten great reception. People able to sort of get into the headspace of the experts right. Mm -hmm. And while I necessarily don't have that caliber of skill, if I can act as the liaison between you know person X you know, who might be inaccessible for some people. And then, you know, the audience, great. That's, I think there's a lot of value, you know, a lot of like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of stuff to learn there, I guess. I don't know if that's the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, it's like you're being an ambassador for the format. Like you're providing kind of a a gateway. Like for example, CFB is, uh, you know, I'm also affiliated with CFB. So, I, you know, we chose CFB because like, it's a big brand that's out there. A ton of people watch CFB. So like, because of this, channel you're able to uh, you know pun intended you're able to actually like bring legacy to people who may may not in the same way that maybe menguchi with his legacy videos or like lsv when he plays vintage like you can get people to to pay attention right and and Mm -hmm. teaming up with a master is a good way to to do that because i i've watched some of the videos they're very well done and it's like you're definitely more personable than the than those masters or Or maybe to put it in another way, like your goals are different from their goals. So it's like, you know, for them, they're just like really good at just crushing with the deck they've been playing for three years. But for you, you're sort of also being that liaison in your words, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, just trying to like present all of the decisions. Because I mean, all right, well, let's take a look at legacy as a format, right? If I had to describe it, like standard, everyone plays. Modern, it gets a little bit more complicated. And then like legacy is like the fencing of magic almost, where it's like you've got these insanely complicated cards like like brainstorm right you've got as a function of mana everything is like so efficient that you have a lot more nuances to calculate and think about and things like that and it's super cool to see how the best players factor all of all of this like wide range of like thoughts and decisions to make and digest that information and use it yourself right like one of the craziest things about magic i think is like the gap between like the pros and like people who are getting in the game right like how does somebody get better at the game right i think it's it's i mean there's a lot of good content out there but i think actually like listening to somebody play a game out and just extract every little detail from, you know, what they're thinking and how they want to proceed and that sort of stuff is the best way to, to learn, right? as Rather mm. than read an article, what if you could just, like, directly ask questions to somebody, right? Like, why did you leave up this man on this turn? Well, I'm thinking about, you know, this sort of, like, decision tree where it can fold up here, I can brainstorm into a swords, or I can, you know, maybe find a fluster storm or that sort of thing, you know? Like, it's... it's, it's there's a lot of nuance to magic, and a lot of that nuance is not adequately captured. I like to think that I... I my number one skill may not be playing magic, but rather talking about magic. I like to think
0: that I can... Like, verbalize the lines or why you're thinking a certain way?
1: Or maybe not necessarily verbalize them myself, but prod somebody else to, like, verbalize it in a way that is logical or, you know, digestible or, you know, something that you can use to for yourself, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get to my million-dollar question now, which yeah. is, this is really the reason why I was so fascinated to talk to you in the beginning. And you know, now that we've gone through this like back and forth for over an hour, I just want to know, like, is the Anu online, the Anu in real life? Or do you have to like take Anu to 11 out of 10 to, to do the streaming or be in front of the camera? How do you think about that? Is it a different person? Is it a persona? Or is it like something else?
1: Yeah, no, you, that's just a really interesting question. I had not thought about this until you asked me, uh, whatever in, in the notes or whatever. And the truth is, yes. Yeah. I, I think when I'm in front of the camera, I am definitely a much different person than I am in person, like, like just like in my own comfort zone. Right. I feel like the camera, especially like when you present your personality, it needs to be something gripping going back to what I was saying earlier. Right. Like People don't want to see whatever they can experience them- themselves, right? They want to see what they normally can't get access to, right? So, for me, like, I think a couple things that are different from, like, stream Anu versus real Anu... When I'm streaming, I am loud. I try to... I, I wanna... I'm, I'm loud, I'm goofy. I am happy all the time. I tried to do all these things, and like in reality, like that's just not the case. No human being can actually do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like in reality, like I'm just vibing here with my wife. You know, she's yeah. uh, you know doing her when work. When I'm
0: talking to my wife, I'm not like, hey, it's humans of magic. You know? How yeah, you, exactly. You
1: know? you know what I mean? You're not just like you're not you're not like, what's up, wife? It's honorog back again with another question <laughs> for you. What are we gonna walk, honey? That'd be, a, honey? You that'd know, be like, a
0: great YouTube skit, though. That'd yeah, like,
1: exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, don't even get me into YouTube skits. I have so many. I ideas about like the direction of magic and stuff like that but no you're right like i think i personally cannot get away with just being like regular and i have the capacity to explode myself you know what i mean so why not try it and see if that's something that people are interested in and this is also kind of like the natural progression right like where i've i've tried stuff i've tried not talking a lot i've tried playing you know the best magic it just it didn't work it didn't stick there are times where i've had like I've plateaued literally in viewership and I've just gotten frustrated and mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll jump up again but then I'll plateau again and it's like that kind of growth has sort of evolved me into like trying to do this. I get a lot of inspiration from watching other people too. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily either. Um, like there are a lot of titans who, who stream and if you look at like their own personas and personalities, it's very easy to see why, you know, having a personality would be a pretty useful tool just when you're streaming, right?
0: Well I, I noticed that especially, you know, like I know unfortunately this year TwitchCon got cancelled, but I remember we also met up in San Diego, was it it was last year, right? I can't believe it's been so long, but <laughs> when we were all at TwitchCon or or when we met up for drinks, it's like during TwitchCon I got to meet a lot of the the magic streamers. Uh, you know, some of the biggest names, because they all went, obviously it's TwitchCon. It's like the event of the year for for streamers. So but I was so surprised like just talking to them that they're none of them are like what they are in on the yeah. stream. It's like, they're We're way human more introverted beings, yeah. in real life. Like they just, they just like, I, I, is this the same person? I'm not even going to name any names. Like I'm not even like trying to call anybody out, but it's just like, it's not yeah. the same person. Like somehow we have this thing where even when I'm doing this interview series, like I'm much more relaxed like this or mm-hmm. open or yeah. like positive. I'll just say yeah. positive. than when you're, you're talking out to there. me like one-on-one or whatever, you know?
1: absolutely no for sure i for me it's kind of like yeah i i wake up i get out of bed i brush my teeth i eat breakfast wow look we all we all do this we're all we're all like people and then when i'm in front of the camera like i feel like it's kind of weird but i feel like that's just not enough i need to do something that will be impressive and and you know just be inviting welcoming warming like it's 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 the whole idea of like capturing somebody you know getting them to keep watching you, right? And yeah. for that, I feel like it's just easier to do that, like, strategically. I think it's just easier yeah. to do that if I'm loud, if I'm, you know, uh, goofy, if I'm whatever it is that my persona is. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just much easier to get people to watch you that way.
0: Have you, have you fully leaned into that? Or do you feel like it's kind of like a, a devil's bargain or, or of some sort? I'm just curious. Like, I don't know how you feel about it in in what sense like do you do it and then afterwards you just feel like super depressed like because you were ramped up to to 10 and then you're just like not energized the rest of the day like do you do you have any like to use your term like ethical or moral uh <laughs> uh objections to that it's almost like you made a deal with the devil like you know in exchange it's- for views i have to act like hyper I, I i'm not i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but i'm just curious no, no, no. how you feel about that whole thing you know if you have time to think about it
1: there is a lot of give and take. It is not easy to be high octane for hours and hours and hours in a row. I mean, obviously, like even when I'm streaming, I'm not going to be like screaming and hollering the whole time, right? There will be downtimes and things like that. <laughs> That'd be pretty hard, yeah. Yeah, it w- yeah, exactly, right. And so uh, it's just like it's 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 not there. There's definitely a tax, right? There's a mental, there's a physical tax when you're streaming. And I think anybody who has streamed will be able to tell you that just like. For example, playing magic by yourself and then playing magic in front of an audience—it's so much harder to play well when you're, you know, catering to people who are watching you. And that also translates to like after the stream is over, I I am exhausted sometimes. You know, like I'll take a nap. I'll literally take a nap, wake up an hour and a half later, and then I'll like continue my rest the rest of the day. And you know, it's it sometimes makes me a little bit uncomfortable because you know, I have a life outside of streaming. Streaming is still at a stage where I view it as a hobby, right? I don't, like, when does it become professional when I can actually, like, live off of it, right? And mm-hmm. the problem with streaming is that it's, even with someone who has invested this much energy into it, I feel like the payoff is still not even close. I would need, like, 10x, you know, 15x the payoff to to get to where I am with my job right now. So thank, I'm eternally grateful that I'm a, able to, like, have a job and stream at the same time. But, you know, there's there's a cost to it all, which is like, my wife comes back from a day of work and she's like, you know, let's hang out. I've had a really stressful day. And I'm just like, well, I'm super tired. I just spent like an hour, two hours, three hours, you know, hanging out with a bunch of people that I don't know, but high energy. And it's just like, well... All right, that kind of sucks. I guess we'll hang out tomorrow and stuff like that. I mean, not not to that degree, but there is like that sort of thing where I like that's energy that I could put into hanging out with her, or energy that I could put in, into like you know, you know, hanging out with my my dog. You know that I'm putting into the stream instead, right? It, it, it's zero sum. If I'm putting energy into yeah. the stream, then there's a cost, right? Or even for myself yeah. personally, like you know, I don't, you know. So it's like it's it's it's, it's there's a weird balance. Oh yeah, and forget forget about like. Also, there I have a job too, right? So I also have yeah. to like navigate all of that sort of stuff. Right, it's,
0: it's tricky. It's a it's a marathon. It's like how much energy am I spending towards my my real life relationships and my work and my career mm-hmm. and uh, streaming is a career for you too. So it's just like you got to figure out like how do I allocate these things and maybe like some days you're you're allocating more to to one thing more than others, right?
1: Yeah, and I think personally, like. Endurance is something you build just through like repetition, and that's one of the reasons why I'm just streaming every day now. Like, not only is it like super cool, and like I think people will you know look towards that, but also just like to become better at it, you need to be able to you know like do it. And like it's it's like going to the gym, right? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. You go to the gym every day, like and if you stop going to the gym, like suddenly the next time you go back, things will be a little bit tougher, right? You want to develop that sort of endurance for it, and. You know, it's it's going along. It's it's not like 100% easy still, but it's much better better than it used to be, right? So also like when you balance this sort of stuff, like the work life sort of thing, like I've had serious discussions with my wife. Like, hey, look, I think this could go somewhere. I want to Mm -hmm. put a lot of time and effort into this. And like, you know, I remember the first time I told her, and she was just like, "Look, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who you know does this, you know, full time or whatever." And I was like, "Wait." But I really enjoy this. And I I was I was taken aback. Like I was just like, mm-hmm. wait, I I don't know because this could be a a real future for me. And like hearing this from you is like really bringing me down. And like I like she, she's like my number one supporter. You know, like the fact that we can be in the same room and I can shout into a microphone for like two three hours and she will be sitting across there just like sort of listening to it all is it I can't I can't even imagine like what it's like from her right. Like right now she's yeah. in another room so that I can record this with you and and like. There, there's, there's like, there are costs to everything, and so mm-hmm. that's just like another like, sort of like how do you say like, a way work life balance, streaming balance, I guess I don't know to think about, and yeah, it it does add up. There's a tax to it for sure.
0: I feel that man. I appreciate you being so honest because you know I think I think all content creators like you're streaming. I'm you know doing cardboard live and the podcast and just playing magic and you know shooting the shit on the side. It's just like there's an opportunity cost to everything. Mm -hmm. And my wife also doesn't understand what I'm doing. It's like, you know, she never read my book. She doesn't give a shit about magic, to be honest. Like, so it's like, sometimes I, I get, I have this anxiety too. It's just like, you know, why am I doing all this? Like I, I can justify maybe the CBL thing, but do I really need to be playing magic online? The answer is no, but I just enjoy it. So it's like, you know, or do I really need to, to do this podcast? The answer to everything is just, like, it depends. But it just depends on how you look at it. And it's hard to be... It's really... Honestly, it's hard to be fucking positive all the time. Like, it's just really hard. It's tough.
1: Like, you always have to say, like... You know, like, after a fight with... Like, if I get into a fight with my wife over, like, hey, you know, I don't think we can stream tomorrow because... And I'll be like, I have to stream. I have to stream. And then, you know, we might... They they understand but
0: they don't understand you know what I mean yeah, exactly
1: like and then from my perspective it's like I have to okay so just to clarify I don't actually we don't get into fights or anything like that we've had a couple of serious discussions but then like to, to just to clarify yourself, I do
0: get I do have I have had fights before so okay like, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I I appreciate that but to the next day you wake up and like that's the first thing on my mind which is just like all right I'm gonna hit the start streaming button but then like my whole personality is like I want to. You know, like with my parents growing up, I always wanted to impress them, right? For my wife, I don't wanna like I want her to be happy and like mm-hmm. if I press this button and you know, then I just think like, well, is it is it worth it here? And 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 that's why like, you know, she's also a part of this. Even though she doesn't do anything like for it, she's she's actively engaged in this and I'm really grateful for that. It's 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 good to have like someone on my side, you know what I mean? Um, even if it is kind of tough for them at some points of time. Uh so yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit me being like squishy, but th- that is the truth of it. So yeah, I I know you're not gonna probably listen to this podcast, Maham, but thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, no. This is this is some real shit, man. Like every streamer I've talked to on the podcast, like they all have anxiety. Again, I'm not gonna list any names, but like yeah, you'd yeah. be surprised like how how much anxiety they have. Even like, you know, when they're talking about streaming like another game or another format, is this gonna lower my viewership? Like, is this gonna like cause someone to unsubscribe to my channel like you know it's 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 some it's some tough stuff the the other thing i'll just say is that i can't remember which one it was but it was like the ceo of one of the esports teams and he used to be like a really big streamer i think at one time he was like one of the biggest counter-strike streamers on on twitch like way back in the day and Mm -hmm. he was just saying that as a streamer there's almost this mental tax that nobody talks about it's like, because I think, I think for you, for sure, like you've developed an audience to the point where you're going to have people who basically hate watch you. Like people who yeah. like, will just follow you. I already know a couple of these names. I'm like, again, I'm not going to list the names, but it's ah. like people who are miracles players. I just like want to see you like just watch you they're just like obsessed with you and they're just like posting like basically the tax is like every day you wake up and you know that somewhere on the internet on a subreddit someone has written something negative about you and it's just like you just have to accept that these people who don't who who see you every day who think they know you but in reality they don't know shit about you and like yourself personally like on a on a level beyond what you're what's on your stream and they have something to say about you and you just have to sort of like accept it you know what i mean like it's it's oh, weird yeah. it's a weird feeling
1: yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, is, like, just, I'm thinking about this right now, like, imagine if someone said something mean to me on stream, and then, like, I got really sad about it, like, who the fuck wants to watch that, you know what I mean? So you have, <laughs> yeah, I
0: know, you don't like, want to go into, like, Twitch fails subreddit or something. Yeah, and just then, like, crying. immediately,
1: yeah, immediately, yeah. the first thing I have to do is be, like, all right, take a deep breath, ignore what they said, don't even, don't even register it, you know, keep that smile going, and, like, keep continuing doing what you're doing, because there's a bunch of other people there who are, you yeah. know, positive and want to see whatever it is you're doing, so just, like, ignore the one-liner someone is really just trying to get in your head like all that sort of stuff you know what i mean
0: but, you're not you're not gonna i don't think you i don't think you've gone done that yet on your stream like you, you haven't gone into like hoogland mode right where it's like you insta block anybody that says anything remotely
1: uh, no no negative. no i there, there are some things that i will block but like personal yeah. like not, not whatever like that kind of stuff no not yet like
0: okay yeah so so you do have to deal with it like a like a normal person like someone will say something like some dagger even if it's just like they don't think it means anything like you just sort of you have to sort of get past it right
1: yeah exactly like or even if it's something as small as like i made one bad play and then someone will be like wow i can't believe you made that play like like okay yeah <laughs> i know that kind of thing right like you no, don't you have to rub it in the kind of person
0: that says i'm going to unfollow you or something
1: oh yeah or that <laughs> thing too yeah it's just like i don't know so but yeah, yeah I, th- I think the general vibe for me is like suck it up ignore it move on if, if it really bothers me i'll think about it later and see if there's like any merit to it but in general, like when you're live, you're live. You you people are watching, right? Like you, yeah. it's like my boss's boss's boss could be watching for all I know, and I gotta right. make sure that I do a good job. So,
0: so what are what are some of your um, immediate goals? Like, let's say maybe in the next year or two, like what are some things you're you're trying to do as a content creator? Because I I think mastering miracles is no longer the goal. So what's what's the what's the end game or the the one to two year outlook?
1: Yeah, I think right now it's really hard to say what the future is going to be because i don't necessarily want to be like i don't look when some people they'll 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 look at streaming and they'll look at shroud and they'll look look at like all the top people and they'll be like hey wow this guy makes like shroud came back yesterday after a month of not streaming and made seventy thousand dollars right and some mm-hmm. people will be like wow i want that and
0: yeah, but that's just it. like a lottery right honestly that's just like survivorship bias too because for every shroud there's like 10,000 people that are probably equally qualified that didn't get there, right?
1: More than that, yeah, for sure. You're absolutely right. And so for me, it's just like, the reality of the situation is like, I don't need that. I'm I'm okay with like, me, my community. The ideal world is where I could stream full time and not have to, you know, do anything on the side. I, mm-hmm. To the point where like, I, ta- I ta- talked about to my wife about this and I'm just like, I would graciously take a giant pay cut just to be able to do this that I'm passionate about day in, day out as opposed to like, you know, all the spreadsheets that I work on. And so I think that's like the end goal, but it's it's so tough to get there because for as much effort as I've put into it so far, I still need about ten times the output to even consider you know that sort of transition. And that's where it gets really tricky because now you have to really start thinking about things financially. Like, what is my business plan for growing? And I think that's the first thing that I need to figure out. And then just create like a strategy for expanding my sphere of influence and just getting people to, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's still like I'm laying the foundation for the stream even after all this time. And yes, there are people that, you know, will come back to my stream every day, hang out, and I, I am those people are like, you know, the number ones. They're the people that are there for me and not for necessarily the Magic, which is kind of like what I want to develop, right? I want people to come back for me and, you know, not... I guess one of the best ways to put this, right? When I stream Magic, I might get like 100 people watching me. When I stream like some other video game, like 5, 10, 15, and that number mm-hmm. is growing, but that's the real... That's the community that I want to expand and develop and get get going. Mm-hmm. So that would be like the immediate immediate goal and then i guess there are like some maybe like numeric metrics that you know you could evaluate and you say like hey i want to keep uh this pace of growth going from month to month to month in fact i want that rate to increase if i can um so you have to think about like that sort of stuff right like how do you put yourself out there how do you connect with other people the cfb gig for example was just a crazy stroke of luck you know i was scrolling down my Twitter feed and I saw, oh, cool, a legacy article by Noah. And then, you know, what did I see? I saw LSV was like, hey, yeah, in our attempt to expand legacy content, and I was like, okay, snap it up. Cold, yep. cold tweet this guy, ask him, hey, do you want more legacy content creators on the CFB staff? Literally, that's mm. what I had to do. And I was like, all right, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, okay, cool.
0: Hey, fortune favors the bold, man. You gotta be able to shoot that email over or tweet, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I think about, like, cold tweeting, and that's like, the, you know, this is 2020, and this is what you do to to get out there. And I failed a couple times, too. Some people that just, like, have seen my tweet, and they don't respond. And I'm just like, well, you know, at least if you could tell me that, like, you know, you're not interested, that'd be great. But, like, to even, like, sort of cold shoulder me, like, that's where it kind of, like, gets you. But there are other things, too, right? Like, not just, like, expanding myself in terms of, like, where i'm posting and stuff like that but like also the type of content i'm posting which is i want to evolve one thing that i found a huge passion for lately is just like doing commentary for example and i think there's yeah
0: that that's something we got to talk about a little bit
1: yeah i think there's a huge market for commentary right now like i think if you look at magic over the past like decade or so right it's like a lot of the same faces that are coming up in like the in the in the more like the the top tier of professional commenting. And lately it's been expanding. And I think there there's there's an opportunity here for a lot of people to get into it. I think my recent transition from like streaming miracles to just like streaming for the sake of streaming has helped a lot in sort of being approachable and and being able to look at magic and just like talk to an audience. And honestly, like, here's the truth, right? Why do I want to do commentary more? I think there's a diminishing return to playing only magic um especially mm-hmm. like in terms of growth if i'm completely honest i feel like magic is not that good of an environment to grow as a streamer just because well it's just not as attractive as some other games right like for magic you really have to be a franchise player to understand like the nuances between like pondering and keeping and all the sort of like that sort of stuff right to really be impressed by the level of strategy you have to be able to understand what all the cards do and that's just not like an accessible thing for a lot of people and That's why I think if I'm able to just, like, stream instead, uh, sorry, do commentary instead, you know, people will be able to see me talk about, like, other stuff and, like, talk about the day in, the day out. Like, you know, like, one of the reasons why Cedric and Patrick Sullivan are so great is because, not because of the, the actual magic content that they're covering, but because of, like, the banter and, like, the nuance and, like, the relationship that they have with each other, right? That's what makes them so, like, hypnotic to watch. And that sort of thing is, it's an art form, i think i have slowly started getting into that foray and i think that's obviously just like not obviously i think that's like one easy way for people to get to like learn about me and sort of like you know choose for themselves whether this is like something they want to watch or not right
0: right so it's like a cross-pollination because like if someone enjoys your commentary they're probably more likely to tune into your stream and, Mm -hmm. and also if someone likes your stream for example, I'm a big fan of uh, Julian Kanab. It's it's no, there's no secret there because he and I are friends. <laughs> like so, I'm gonna go watch the Nerd Rage Gaming thing where he's commentating because it's yeah. Julian. Uh, literally, it's Julian. That's his channel name. Uh, free plug. But uh, but it's like you know that that's that's the kind of thing, right? And there's a kind of like synergy there, which I think is good. You know, you get your hooks out into different places.
1: Exactly. And and this is also like the one thing that I want to stress is also like you know, banging your head against the wall and just, like, streaming magic only day in, day out, that's not growth, that's insanity, right? Like, you actually have to make sure that you're achieving something, and I think this commentary, like, this transition into commentary would be super cool as, like, an opportunity for me to, like, grow in another fashion, like, have my eggs not all in one bucket, which is, you know, playing magic, but also, like, this other skill set. Like, that's one thing about streaming that I think is actually... Seriously like not talked about which is not like you you invest so much time into it But then like how do you develop as a person right? What are you doing Mm -hmm. to grow yourself? If I if I my job right my day in day out like you could see I I got promoted Why did I get promoted because I was was able to do something better now? I'm a project
0: deliverable and it was like you did it right
1: yeah And then they throw more responsibility on you you grow as a you know as an employee or whatever it is Streaming what are you doing? You're playing video games you're playing magic the gathering and like let's say like tomorrow, right? Watsi was like, yeah, we're going to get rid of Magic the Gathering entirely. Sorry. What would I have to show for it? You know what I mean? Like what real world skill would I have to show for it? And right. sometimes I get scared that I don't actually have enough. So that's definitely like another thing where commentary is, you know, maybe I can develop my social skills. Maybe I can like in the background, like take an improv class or I can like, you know, learn about some sort of software that I can use to make my stream better. Those sort of things. Right. So like, it's not just commentary. It's also like learning about the tech behind it and developing Mm -hmm. myself as a person so that I have something to show for it, I guess. I don't know.
0: I've also heard uh, MPL members and pros, the pro magic players just say that they want to do more commentary in the long term just because there's less anxiety about always having to do well at an event, right? Uh, Of course, this is probably like pre-COVID, like when you're just talking about like, I'm trying to make it to the pro tour or I'm trying to like, you know, do well in GPs. Like, if your identity is not tied to the results, it's just easier on you, right? That's why they say commentary is good for that kind of thing too.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That's another way to get yourself out there. I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is like how crazily, how much results actually matter in terms of growing as a streamer. Like tomorrow if I won a pro tour, right? People would come to my channel like like by the herds just to see like, you know, this guy won a pro tour. Wow, I got to check him out. But like imagine if I just don't do anything for the years and years and years you know it's kind of weird but the concept of clout matters a little bit you know what i mean you have to put your feelers out there you have to like try to look impressive so that people are interested in you right cuz again this is a zero sum game you're competing with people and you got to you got to yeah try try whatever it is that you can to get people to watch you i'm curious
0: you. too this is not directly related to the question about goals but uh, like you're you know you're doing elo punters with bob and and Daniel, and obviously they're exposed to a cross section of magic too. Like, they don't just play Legacy. Like, have you, how much have you dabbled or thought about like going into the other formats? Because I think you'd be really good at just taking your skill sets there. Or like, have you, have you done that a little bit or are you holding off on that for, for some reasons?
1: No, actually, this is a really good point that you're bringing up. I actually feel like Legacy is kind of, um, it's not. On Watsy's menu, I don't. I think it's pretty clear here, right? Like Watsi has a very yeah. clear it's agenda. Like the,
0: it's like the stepchild in the basement or the attic. I'll, in my words, now yours.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I, I, I definitely see that. Watsy has an agenda, an agenda, and Legacy is just not part of it. So, like, imagine trying to be, you know, cr- trying to create content for a game where the the company that's creating, you know, the company of the game doesn't really, like really care for what you're doing, right? Right. Um, right. It, it's extremely tough to Succeed in that kind of environment, which is why you know I've had a lot of struggle personally. Thinking, like, well, first of all, not only is legacy like super expensive and very really difficult for people to just like get into because like the cost of cards, like you know, duels and stuff like that, yeah. but also, like, if Watsy is not going to throw me a bone, like I have to do this myself. It's not mm-hmm. even like I, you know, I'm not a personality, like, you know, I, I'm starting with nothing. I I have to develop my own relationships. I have to network by myself. I have to do that grind, and then maybe I can start to see some results. But what if I just imagine like maybe I start playing historic a little bit, and then you know Wattsy's like, wait a minute, look, this guy's got, he's he's promoting our agenda. Yeah, let's help him out. Let's give him yeah. l- give him a couple codes or something like that. It's really easy to grow when you have someone on your side. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I've had like, like so, serious... swimming with
0: a current or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's exactly right. So I've had some serious like deliberation as to whether or not I should get into other formats. Plus, it's just a matter of like the larger magic population, what do they want to watch? They want to watch modern. They want to watch standard. Maybe not, yeah. you know, reclamation standard, but like they want to watch the current formats that, you know, get the serious prize pools. And if I just, you know, stick to legacy, sometimes I wonder like, is there really... Is there really something there? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think if you are good at what you do, you can create an environment where people want to be. Like, I I went to YouTube the other day and I was like, there's a dude that literally makes memes about pianos and gets hundreds, millions
0: of views. You know what I mean? Like, if you are good at what you do, you can succeed. It just, it's it's. You could if you're in the top 1% of like something that's niche, you're still doing super well. Like mm-hmm. so you could make the argument that like legacy's a smaller pool, but if you're like the the shark of that pool or the king of that pool, that's still better than being like the 500th best player on historic, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, right? So like this is like people need a reason to watch you. And this goes back to like providing value or just being really good at what you do. And that's why, like, that's kind of, like, another macro strategy that I might pursue, which is, like, all right, let's just double down on this legacy bucket, and we'll find a way to, we'll think about, like, the future later, but let's develop the stream so much under this, like, you know, headspace of legacy, and then once we have, like, this this base, once we have people that are interested in me, then we can transition to something, like, slowly ease the population into something else, right? Like, think about that from that strategic perspective, you know, like, um... If I did get into other formats, it would be great to be able to do coverage and stuff for that. But, like, I also have to do the the legwork myself, learn about them, you know, play a bunch so that I understand the nuances so that I can, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk kind of deal.
0: How do you feel about burnout? And do you think you're anywhere close to that?
1: I've burned out before um, streaming, actually. So I started streaming in 2017 and then I took a long break. Like, I don't know if it was a couple months or if it was almost a year, but I, I took a long, long break. And it's kind of weird because the smallest thing triggered it. I There was a Grand Prix coming up and I was like, okay, we're going to do some testing for the Grand Prix. This is when I was playing Miracles. I played 100 matches of Miracles in, in two weeks. And just for a frame of reference, you know, Miracles as a control deck. Each match on Magic Online will take at least half an hour. So that's a lot of time that I put in I don't even know if mathematically that's possible maybe it was a little bit longer than uh, maybe it was a little bit longer than two weeks but after I finished that that goal, Mm. Um, I was just like, oh god, I I cannot touch magic. <laughs> I like the thought of casting portent, targeting myself, just like physically
0: discuss you. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. So I played other games, I got my mind off of it, and it it took so long. And I don't even know what got me back into it. Like one day I was just like, all right, hey, let's do it. You, someone was like, hey, fire up the stream. I was like, all right, you got me. I'll do it. Sure. And then like it started again. Now it's kind of like, for me right now, I think I'm in a pretty good spot where it's like. You know like when you go to the gym and then like you skip one day of going to the gym and you're just like your arms are just like oh god you didn't go to the gym today oh you feel like all like grimy and stuff that's what yeah. it's like for streaming i i have that kind of drive in me right now for streaming which is great and i want to i want to use it to like keep pushing myself um i am cautious about burning out um i don't know what necessarily would cause that right now but i think there's this whole idea of growth that i'm just like so selfishly absorbed in like you know obsessed with right now that i want to keep growing i i want to keep you know developing this thing it's 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 got me covered so right now like i don't think i'm worried about it but like it is possible that like one day i wake up just like you know math or computer science one day i wake up and i'm just like i'm not really about this anymore so it's it's um it's it's weird i don't know (laughs) yeah
0: no no that's 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 real man that's real it's just to kind of uh close things or wrap things up like let's do the plugs like where where can people find you like what's the best place people to find you on on the internet
1: yeah well obviously like streaming including uh, twitch.tv slash unzmtg is the easiest place to find me also you know hit me up on twitter i am extremely accessible i if you have a question for me please ask i will gladly answer if you you know want to get more into legacy for sure like my channel is the place to go i will answer any questions that you have I'm there to help you learn about the format. It's pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. That's about it, actually. Socially speaking, like I think that's you it. got a you got a
0: podcast, right? I know I mentioned it, but
1: oh yeah, I do that too. Yeah, um, Elo Punters is the name of the podcast. It's with my ex roommate Bob Wong and then just Magic Millionaire Daniel Goetschel. So, <laughs> magic Millionaire, like yeah, Patreon.com/slash Elo Punters or you know even Twitter, same same handle, Elo Punters. So those are a couple places to get access to us. If you have questions, we're there for you.
0: Thank you so much Anurag. I just feel like this has been one of the most real conversations that I've had on this podcast in a while and I really appreciate you just being like just straight up with everything. That's really the goal is just to have a better understanding of this person before I mean after the recording than, than before I did it you know.
1: Yeah I'm I'm glad to be here again like the honor is definitely mine and I hope if anything that somebody else out there realizes that they're not alone in all of this. Um, This is just what it's like sometimes. And I hope there's something that you've learned from this, maybe to get to the next level yourself. But yeah, thank you so much, James.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans and Magic. To get more information about the show and to join the mailing list, please visit humansofmagic.com. And don't forget, the Humans of Magic book is now available on Amazon for both paperback and Kindle. We'll see you next time.